Hello and welcome to the Big 12 Country Podcast, where four guys in jockstrap will be covering college football and providing content and HSOs from around the Big 12. Welcome back to the Big 12 Country Podcast. I'm your host, Corey, for the evening. Uh, today is June the 6th, Tuesday. Uh, we've had quite a busy last 10 days uh, in the Big 12, so we were going to cover that. Uh, tonight, we're being joined in the studio by Kendall. Hello. And Jockstrap, as most of you know him on Twitter. Uh, hello. And uh, we know Brady are calling with us. They're, they had uh, prior commitments. They couldn't make it. But um, most of you have been following us know that we haven't been able to be on for the last week or so. <clears throat> so kind of to make that up to you guys we decided well kind of i decided planned out and then we all discussed a, a good date for it we were going to try to do as many shows as we could to get them kind of caught back up uh and tonight we decided man there's been so much news going on in the big 12 mm-hmm. um just in i mean everything from finances to leadership changes to um you know key players leaving moving transferring guys people are counting on not coming recruiting i mean you know, breaking news, Texas is destroying people right now in recruiting. Right. So, I mean, that's a big story, obviously. Um, so, we just, you know, I mean, obviously you got last night, the Women's College World Series OU, that thing, probably the most historical softball game ever played, in the, at least in the championship series anyway. Yeah, it was. <clears throat> 17 innings. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah, that was a marathon. So, um, they're continuing game two tonight. We'll see how that goes. If Florida pulls this one out, then they'll play game three on Wednesday night. So, kind of starting things out, um, mostly just in general, is there anything, any just key topic you guys have seen in the last week or anything that you want to mention, bring up before we get too far into any of these news? Well, I mean, just like that softball game, last night, Jockstrap and I went to uh, a concert, the Strumbellas, at the Kings Ballroom in Tulsa, and uh, we before we went to the concert, we went to this little restaurant and ate, and uh, it was like, it had it on the TV there, so it was, yeah, it was like, like the fourth, fourth inning, inning, you know. And then when we went to the concert, drove home, and I walked in, and my wife was watching it, and I was thinking, man, I guess ESPN must be showing a replay of the game. You know, that's what I'm thinking, because, I mean, yeah. yeah, there's no way it's went this long. And then she's like, man, you're not going to believe this. This is the 17th inning. And I was like, what what, what happened? You know, because I, mm-hmm. I, I totally you know missed everything being at the concert and stuff. So it was uh, it was a shock to me when I walked in. I thought I honestly thought ESPN was showing a replay of the game. Yeah, when you saw the game, it was probably like 2-2. Two to two. I think it's about what the fourth inning was. Roughly two to two, maybe two to one score. Something yeah, like that. it was like I think it might be two to one at that time. And Florida, yeah, because Florida answered at the seventh inning. Yeah, that's right. So yeah, that yeah, it it was a marathon. I watched it beginning to end, and I know. Let's see, what was it? Ten. I left for work at ten thirty, and it was the fifteenth inning basically, and then it continued for another two innings, full innings after that. So, and good lord, I thought Florida was going to do it again there in the seventeenth. Yeah, I did too. Because I mean. When they when they got that runner on second and then they they scored that run and they had two runners on I thought man if, if one hit here it could really tie the same back up so yeah they I, I will say this about Florida I give them credit they they battled I mean yeah. oh you made the play to win the game by by all means and they deserved to win but I, I there was no quit in Florida that, mm-hmm. that was for sure I thought it was I thought it was a little bit ironic you know you had been like I think it was I don't remember the exact number because when they showed it the final time I was at work and I couldn't see it but I think it was like over fourteen. With two outs on hits on the night, and then Knighton wins it on a two-out shot, <laughs> a three-run shot. You know, go up seven to four, and they end up. 
Uh, Florida puts across one more run, but they end up getting the three outs to get out of the inning and be done with the game finally. Um, you know, when they fell in the 15th and 16th when the bases loaded, I just I didn't know if they were going to be able to do it at that point. Right. It was like, how much could you possibly have left in this team? But, I mean, that's why they are where they are. They've been, they've been so responsive the last, I don't know, just five years in general. If you get this team behind you, you better walk out, look out for them late in the game because they're going to find a way to come get you. So, so we had that going on. That was, that was, I mean, there's people debating on where that ranks in OU lore period uh, in all sports, never mind softball. So that's kind of how big of a deal that is. Um, we also had, you know, I think, I'm trying to remember what day it was that it was announced. It's been about a week ago, roughly, where we had the revenue terms announced that everybody had. Mm-hmm. So if you're not familiar, I mean, you know, the big knock on the Big 12 is we're weak as a conference, we don't have enough teams, and then a lot of people don't understand how we're going to financially survive. So I want to read these numbers off to those of you who might have missed it. The distributions came out for the school year, and the SEC contributed $40.4 million to each team. That includes their third-tier TV rights. Now, if you were to balance that out among, like, say, their top ten teams, that's obviously going to be a much bigger number. So you have to kind of look at it in that terms to me because it's kind of hard to compare when you've got a conference with ten teams and a conference with as many as, what, 14 teams or whatever right. it is. But they got $40.4 million. Each team in the Big Ten got $34.8 and, that, and all these deals include third-tier rights. It's just every conference has its own definition on what third-tier rights can mean, what they constitute, if they have to go through the league, if they don't, all that stuff. Uh, Big 12 finished right behind the Big 10 with $34.5 million per team. So, and then just, just to, you know, we're supposed to be on such shaky ground. The Pac-12 was $24.7 million. So you're talking basically a full $10 million behind. Then you've got the ACC, which is over $10 million behind at 23.8. And all, again, all those include their ter- TV rights and everything they're entitled to. So, well, and, and th- those numbers right there kind of explain, you know, when you're hearing rumbles a few months ago of, say, Arizona, Arizona State, they they weren't very happy with the money distribution and with mm-hmm. the money they were receiving from from the Pac-12. So, I mean, th- those numbers there, you could kind of see why they, they would be willing to jump over to the Big 12. I mean, mm-hmm. if, if you're talking ten million dollars a year, that's quite a bit of money for your budget as far as athletic programs. So, I mean. Th- those numbers, when you read those out loud and you you know look at them on a a per conference basis, you could kind of see why maybe the Big Twelve is not as you know maybe publicly people look at it differently, but as far as behind closed doors and when it comes to actual numbers, teams maybe might be willing to jump over to the Big Twelve. And, and honestly, this is why it didn't really make any sense for them to go. When you look at it now in hindsight, obviously we have the benefit of hindsight, but. This is where why it didn't make sense for them to go to like Houston and somebody like that because the gain you're going to gain from them as opposed to having to split it among two more teams, I don't think was going to be enough to pay off. I don't know that you would have come up with this number. I mean, no. I, I don't know what it would have been, but without without signing some kind of new deal in relation to that, the, and again, they could have executed that clause a while back too. That was the threat they made too. But well, you know, and the reason why Arizona Arizona State, if it were to, I mean, it, of course, there's, this is all hearsay and you know, speculation. So it's not anything in, in stone here, but the, the reason why that would be good for the big 12 is because it gets you into a different market. Mm-hmm. You know, if you go get Houston, you're not, you're not really gaining into another market. Cause I mean, either they're going to be, most of them are either going to be Texas A&M fans or Texas fans. The vast majority of Texas is, mm-hmm. yeah, there's not enough people there to really draw in. Yeah. Yes. Houston is a big market, but that, that doesn't necessarily mean they're Houston, 
University of Houston fans. Mm-hmm. It's two different things. Well, so as I understand it, most of, most of Southern Texas, you know, the Houston area, uh, with basically the move A and M made. From as I've seen it, based on markets and how people draw it up, South Texas is pretty much SEC country now. Right. So, you know, Houston's not gonna even if Houston were to win like a national title, one off year or something. I don't think you're ever gonna quite swing that with just Houston. And no. If you had it, I don't ever see it happening. But if theoretically you had an A and M or somebody come back to the league, maybe. But not Houston. I'm just. I'm sorry. It's just not enough to do it. Yeah, and it's not really like a knock against Houston. I mean, they're they're a good, they're a great academic university, and and they they compete in sports and everything. But it's it, it's just not it's not a viable option for a conference, a big time Power Five conference. It, it just doesn't make sense, and and it's not. It, that's just dollars and cents. It's not necessarily that we don't like Houston or you you have something against them or anything. It just doesn't make you know sense when it comes to dollars and cents. And that that's what it's important when it comes to picking people to join your league. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, real quick update. I know you guys are going to know the results of this game by tomorrow, but just let you guys know we have the game on live. Uh, Shea Knighton strikes again. Uh, Sooners were down three to two with two outs, bases loaded, and she hits a three run or didn't hit a home run, but scored three runs on a hit. So. They're up five to two, five to three now. This game is moving along a lot more rapidly than yesterday's game. Yes, it is. At this point, I think we were like one to nothing yesterday. So, and I mean, again, these pitchers have got to be. I mean, OU made the change to the freshman pitcher. Uh, her name escapes me at the moment, but uh, they made the move to her. Florida's gone back to. Um, oh God, I can't. It's easier when I'm not trying to do a show at the same time to remember these <laughs> names. But yeah. the dark-haired senior girl, I can't think of her name off the top of my head. When you so, throw, when you throw that many pitches, and obviously. You know, they always say softball, it's easier on your arm than baseball. But mm-hmm. you throw that Still many fatigued. times. Yeah, that, yeah. You, th- you have to be a little bit sore and a little bit tired. Mm-hmm. I mean, not you know, not, not necessarily like injury-wise, like you get injured, but just it's, fatigue's got to take over mm-hmm. throwing that many pitches. Yeah, it has to because, I mean, just the you know, we always talk about pitchers, it's in their legs. Good pitchers that can go along with Nolan Ryan. I mean, he was notorious for his leg strength. You know, guys like that. And, you know, if they're going to pitch that much, those legs have got to be given out at some point. Absolutely. I mean, the way they're, the formation is, the jumping off the mound and all that, it's got to be killing them after that many pitches. Especially when you have to generate as much power to throw as hard as, like, Lowry throws. I mean, my God. She, they basically said the other night, it was last night, I think, when I heard it, that her pitch is basically the equivalent to um, facing – oh, God, again, names, what I'm trying to do a show um, – the pitcher that is the closer for the Yankees now. Oh, uh, Chapman? Oh, uh, yeah, Chapman, yeah. They said that's basically the reaction time of facing Chapman. Wow. So, I mean, if that tells you anything, 75 mile an hour from 40 feet away, good luck. I mean, that's all I can tell you. So, but anyway, getting back to this distribution thing, um, to me, I don't know, this this was resounding to me why the Big 12 decided to stay with 10 teams. I think when they finally got the money laid out, and the fact that ESPN, Fox, nobody gave them any kind of guarantee of, okay, you pick these teams up, we'll definitely go to the table with you. I don't think I ever remember hearing that at any point. Well, um, yeah, yeah and, and money's running out. I mean, exactly. you know, people, man, you know, the, like ESPN, look how many people they've laid off. So mm-hmm. so obviously money is not coming in like it was before. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're going to be a lot less likely to to renegotiate a contract where it's bigger dollar amounts. It might be smaller dollar amounts, but they're, they're definitely not going to be looking in to give you more money right now well and and the kind of and the, the biggest reason i wanted to bring this money thing up you guys kind of remember uh jock strap you're probably not old enough to remember because you would have been like i don't know how old are you now 10 11 11 you probably would have been like five when this went down i can't remember 
roughly what, what year did we go from the transition period with TCU and West Virginia? Was it 12 that they agreed and like 14 they showed up or 13 they showed up or something yeah, like that? Yeah, ballpark that. Or, well, yes. Landry faced him his first, that last year, so Landry would have been 12. So, yeah, so 12 was the first year in the league. So just to give you an idea of what this money has meant to a program like TCU and why if you've followed, excuse me, if you followed the um, TCU and West Virginia programs on like Twitter, a lot of their big fans, a lot of their big writers, uh, social media, things like that, the internet, they've all been ecstatic and overwhelmed, and they're all clearly way happier about this league than everybody else that's in this league. Well, the reason is, to give you an idea for that, if you guys will remember the whole Big East, the way it tore down, you know, TCU, a lot of people don't remember, agreed to join them. Right. They were going to leave gonna leave the WAC and go, I think it was the WAC. At the Mountain time. West, wasn't Mountain it? Mountain West, whatever it was mm-hmm. at the time, yeah. So they were WAC before that. Um uh, agreed that in in terms or whatever do that. Well, when when the Big East folded and TCU basically said screw you, we're not coming. There's not a league to come to anymore. Um, they came to the Big Twelve. Well, they started to pay penalties. Well, just to kind of give you an idea of what this has meant for a program like TCU, it says basically the Big Twelve's revenue has nearly doubled since welcoming in TCU in West Virginia in 2012. They had 150. They went from 159 and a half million in 2012 to 313 million in 2016. Wow. In year one, this is the key part of this, in year one of their membership in the Power Conference, TCU took home $11 million as opposed to 30, what did we say, 40, 34 and a half or whatever, basically. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's triple, right? Am I, yeah. am I reading that wrong? Right. That's triple, yeah. Um, to, and then the final part of the comparison that I want you guys to understand to fully grasp this, what this means to this program. For comparison, and I'm quoting an article from Frogs of War here. If you're not familiar, check out Frogs of War. Great website. Love those guys. Yeah, they do a great job. And I, and I really like they, – they are definitely one of the better ran sites uh, under SB Nation. But I think it's what they're part of. Yeah, SB Nation. Um, it says, for comparison's sake, the Frogs took home less than $1 million in their final year as West Mountain Conference – as Mountain West Conference member. Less so than a million dollars. They took, they took home less than a million dollars in their division of that pie. And they, and they were by far the best team in the... Oh, yeah. They ran that conference at that right. point. I mean, Boise, was Boise, Boise in the wax still, or did they move to Mountain West? Like, that whole three- or four-year stretch that really confused me. Yeah, there was, a lot of bouncing, there was a lot of bouncing around that time. Because uh, we had our own BS to deal with here. With team, mm-hmm. I mean, how many years were we sitting here hearing the threat of, of you know, these teams are going to pull out, these teams are going to pull out, and I, I'll be the first to admit I laughed it off. First time I heard A&M's leaving the Big 12, I laughed it off. Didn't think anything of it. At the time, not really understanding how badly they wanted out of this league. And I still say for the wrong reasons, but they wanted out of this league. So a lot of that was going on. We had our own stuff to deal with. I can't remember exactly. I think Boise was in the Mountain West at that point. But they I know they were playing a lot at that point, each other. They were playing back and forth a lot in those years. But basically, they were the premier program in that conference. And they took home, I don't have the exact number, but I'm guessing probably somewhere around 900 k So... They jump automatically to eleven million year one, even with penalties. Right. And because I think at that time the league was making about fifteen million per, maybe something like that. I'm just, it's hard to remember exactly back that far, but um, so yeah, I think that's about where they were. And so yeah, I just I just wanted people to understand what that means to a school like that, and why when you see them being so happy, uh, because I, I've seen it all over their writers, their people, their fans. I mean, they're just ecstatic. The money we're making, that West Virginia fans are even more. Related. And, and again, we've had a hard time reaching out to that fan base. I just think regional differences is, is made some obstacles for us to where we don't see a lot of their information as often. 
We're trying to find some more other sites. Uh, I don't feel like their school writers or is uh, tied into a lot of these um, internet sites and things like that. It's uh, and maybe I just can't find them. I've tried. I, I found some of the writers. It's it's hard to get some of the information to them. But from what I have seen, they're elated. I mean, right. they're sharing this money around, talking about it, messaging about it. They love it. So, so just so you guys kind of can get a comparison, because they were in the Big East, right? Which means they were probably making. I don't have the number, but I'm going to guess probably less than five million per. But I, I don't know exactly what it was at the by the time the Big Twelve by the time the Big East got to its worst, right before it collapsed, they couldn't have been making that much money. There's no way. Right. I mean, by the time everybody pretty much accepted this is going to break apart. So I mean. When you, when you look at all those, it kind of gives you a a better picture of the Big 12. I mean, you know, you hear all this doom and gloom stuff, but when you read those numbers, if, if you're the third out of the Power Five making money, you're, you're doing a lot better. I mean, you're it's a better situation than what everybody else around is kind of projecting. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if, if they can stick together, I mean, the, the main thing is, is you've got to, regardless of what everybody thinks, you've got to have Oklahoma and Texas stick in this thing. Yeah. They're, they're the two bigger names nationally it, it's it's it just is i mean whether, whether you like to hear that or not that's the truth but if they if they stick together and they you know keep doing what they're doing now they're, they're gonna be fine mm-hmm. there's, there's no point in panicking right now yep. and, and the idea that you have to do add more teams that that seems kind of false because apparently we're doing okay mm-hmm. and and again also take into account that this is the money they're being paid back by the conference right this is not all they're making Right, they can make money off other things, other situations, other you know when they get their own specific um, bonuses for certain things they've accomplished, whatever. Um, I don't know how all of it's factored in, but I do know there's some that can go back directly to the schools. I don't have it all in front of me. I've read it before, but there, this may not be every. I mean, obviously, it's not every dime they're getting for the athletic program. So, you know, that's that's being paid back by the conferences. So, and again, and to kind of move on to what you just said, that was kind of my final point of wanting to bring this money up. If nothing else, as a Big 12 fan, this has to at least, and again, if you're a Big 12 purist, and I'm, I'll include TCU and West Virginia in this because now we are starting to see the elation they have to be in this conference. So that makes you just want to think to some degree they enjoy being here for the majority and right. they want to stay here. Right. Again, personally, my personal opinion, I think West Virginia is better than the ACC. Maybe not how it's constructed now, but regionally, when you're talking about uh, rivals and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, I think they would be better off in the ACC. But – I don't not saying I don't want them here either. Uh, it's a good addition we made to the conference. Well, you know, and, and it's one of those things too where you can you can start you can start forming rivalry games. I mean, o- over time, you know, you, like you know, you're starting to see TCU and OU becomes a little bit more of a rivalry game. You're starting yeah. to see these different games starting to to take place. It just takes time. It's not one of those things where it instantly happens. I mean, just like you know, one of TCU. I mean, uh, excuse me, West Virginia's biggest rivalry was Pitt. Yeah, exactly. you know, I mean, yeah. that, that didn't happen overnight. It, you know, it's it, it's one of those things where it took it took you know a while, but but it became a huge rivalry. Mm-hmm. And, and that being said, they could always schedule pit if they wanted to. Yeah, I mean, there, there's ways that you could still do some of those games. But I mean, if you're talking about financially and and long term wise, this sounds like a better situation than when they would have been in if they would have stayed. Yeah, obviously. So. And and again, had they not made the jump, I don't know where they'd be today because it, again, it was somewhat of a leap of faith going to a conference that had just lost four. I mean, let's face it, especially historically speaking, Colorado, Nebraska, Texas A&M, Missouri, I could really give a crap less about Missouri, to be honest with you. I mean, some people view them, you know, we have people, you being an OSU fan, the infamous Pat Jones, coach at Oklahoma State, has super high opinions on Missouri, historically. I just, I don't think that really meant anything losing them. 
especially when you stand them next to Colorado, Nebraska, Texas A and M. No, so I mean, I mean, it's whatever on that one. I, I say the biggest losses you get, you have a, a state school in the state of Missouri. You know, what I mean, like like just kind of regionally, it helps they pull in some viewers from that state. You know, mm-hmm. not 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 necessarily as far as a, on a competition level, but just TV wise and then marketing footprint. Mm-hmm. You know, that that probably hurt a little bit just because you basically you know lose the state of of Missouri. But I mean, other than that, I mean, as far as on a competition level, I I agree with you. I don't think it's really. That's not a detriment to the to the league by any means. No, especially not when we're talking about the main sport that all this revolves around, and that's football. Um, you know, Missouri historically has had some really good basketball teams and et cetera. But, you know, when you're talking about football, which is what – don't fool yourself is what drives all this. Absolutely. Um, then you – I mean, Missouri was whatever. We could have lost and been fine. But you're talking about losing those powers from this conference. This conference looked really shaky for about a period of a year. I mean, not that it hasn't ever completely come back from that, but or it has come back from that because it hasn't entirely. But, you know, that had to be a bit of a risk on their part to want to do that too. Well, you know, and another thing, like from a competition level, if you were to ask Missouri and you were to ask, say, Texas A&M, would you rather be in the Big 12 right now than where you're at? There's probably a really good chance they'd probably say yes. Well, you'd have to get some of, uh, I don't know, some people aren't going to get this reference, but you'd have to get some of Traver's truth serum. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, you'd have to – because, I mean, a <laughs> fans are never going to admit wanting to come back to this league. It, I mean, if you've seen the messages – I mean, obviously I handle our Twitter account, so I see a lot more than y'all see. But if you see the messages they post back and forth and, you know, and basically, you know, they left Texas. Or, you know, te- Texas needed them. They didn't need Texas. That That's basically how their fans remember this whole thing going down. So, you know, I don't know that you would ever get them to admit coming back. Missouri – I think if you cornered a lot of their people, they would want to come back. I really do. It just makes more sense regionally, too. I mean, they're in the SEC East. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I know. Which I they're mean, talking about realignment right now. Right, they're talking right. about moving Auburn over to the East and I mean, making Missouri West. But Yeah, that just doesn't make sense. And as far as the A&M fans, I mean, you you got to take what they say with a grain of salt. I mean, obviously they're not very happy because they can't, they can't even win inside their division. Well, and here's the thing, too. I mean, without the, with the exception of one John Football – as most people like to refer to him, um, they have no crap in what? I mean, tell me the last time they were good. When uh, R.C. Slocum was there in the Wrecking Crew? I mean, is that is that what we're talking about when you're talking about them on a national level? That's about it. I mean, you know, uh, there was hopes with guys like Reggie McNeil or whatever his name was, but it never it never amounted to anything. I mean, the last time I, last time I can genuinely be worried about playing A&M as an Oklahoma fan was – 2004 maybe 2003 um other than now outside of when they had johnny football we met him in the cotton bowl obviously but i mean like on a season season to season basis i remember going to watch him in 08 in norman and we beat him by like 70 points or 60 points or something it was it was an embarrassment so i mean if you take him and again he played there you have to count that but you take that two-year stretch out of and all the embarrassment that come with it um they haven't done anything and they haven't done anything in the sec so For them to be so high and mighty about it, I just don't I don't get. I mean, I do getting their it's, fan base and knowing their fan base, but I don't understand how logically they can operate in that world. Th- this is this is where to me the difference between SEC and other conferences. SEC, they like to chant SEC, SEC, all this stuff, but let's be honest, you're you're riding the coattails, Alabama. Oh, exactly. They they, they conferences. Yeah, yeah, I mean, basically, yeah, you're yeah, you're winning national titles, but you're not winning national title. No. The, Alabama's winning the national title. Mm-hmm. I mean, so I mean, this whole idea that our conference is so great, 
well, yeah, that team is really great. And guess what? You're riding the coattails of that thing. Mm-hmm. You're not doing a damn thing to, to help this conference. So, well, I mean, it's to me, it's, it's really ridiculous. Again, just in theory, if you took Alabama out of that league, what would that number be? That 40 – It's uh, hang on, let me have it right here. The 40, 40.4 million per team. I mean, how much is Alabama – I mean, it, I know it's not quantifiable right now, but you just that, – that, that program since basically 08 has been – Either in the conversation for the national title or playing in the national title, right? And, well, and and right before that too, you had you had the Florida teams. It was a perfect storm for them. Exactly. Like they had that run there where they were really good, and then right before behind that, that then LSU. Alabama. Yeah, yeah. Then Alabama just took off like wildfire. Mm-hmm. But I mean, and even LSU. I mean, it, they they're still not at the level of Alabama. No, what they've done. I mean, they they've kind of helped project. You know, shoot that conference to another level mm-hmm. is what's happened. And, and it was just the right – it was all the perfect storm. I mean, you have those national titles, and then you have all that big money from those TV networks, and it all hit at one time. Mm-hmm. If it were now, even though Alabama is doing all this stuff, their their money would not be what it is now no. because they don't have the money to give. Exactly, no. And, and you know, another – I saw another question that was proposed the other day that I thought was interesting was Technic Saban out of Alabama and how much money are they worth? Because they are – it's a big, expensive program. I mean, that depart, athletic department is rolling right now. But – you take how much of that is Nick Saban? I mean, that man, easily the most powerful man in college football. Hell, um, he's the most powerful man in Alabama. He, if maybe next to Bill Belichick, the most powerful pe- coach in the United States. I mean, I yeah. can't think of another coach that'd be over him. I mean, he gets whatever he wants. He's basically the governor of Alabama at yeah. this point. So I mean, you know, again, I know you have to include it because it's part of it. But everybody that talks about such the discrepancy between the SEC and the Big Twelve or the Big Ten or whatever, it's really kind of a myth. It's really about one team. And I know we have a lot of educated fans because I talk to you guys all the time, and I'm not telling most of you anything you don't already know. But I felt it was important to bring to the discussion. The SEC and their high, just just like the SEC, I guess the best way I can put this with the money thing that I want to wrap it up. The SEC and as high as everybody looks at them and as fake as a lot of us know it is, the Big 12 isn't as bad as a lot of people project it is either. No. And if anything else, if nothing else, as a Big 12 fan, this has to give you some kind of hope. It's kind of like one of those things where the truth's usually in the middle. You're, yeah, exactly. We're not as bad, and they're not as good. It's kind of like the truth mm-hmm. is somewhere kind of in the middle. Now, are do we still are, are we still behind them a little bit? Yeah, I, I, I mean, there's I don't have a problem saying that when it comes to football. Yes, oh, we, yeah, we, cool, but yeah. but are we are we like you know a doormat compared to them? No, I don't think so. And, and here's the thing: again, it happened. You can't just count it. But if the league stays together as it was in '08 when the league was rolling, at that point, I mean, you had what. 07, Oklahoma was a lost away from a national title game. 08, Oklahoma plays in a national title game. 09, Texas plays in a national title game. Probably wins that if Colt McCoy doesn't get hurt. I, I always thought that, too. I mean, that changed that entire game. I mean, that game was pretty much – Texas was moving the ball. I know it was still kind of early, but that game changed on that play. Absolutely did. And so, you know, that the Big 12 was right there doing some good things. If the league stays together, get a couple more national champ shots, you win one or two of them, things look completely different. So Absolutely. And you're still bolstered by Colorado and Nebraska and all that. So, you know, just to kind of give an understanding as to this is why maybe it's not as bad as it seems like. Because I'll be honest, before I saw these numbers, when I saw these numbers, it honestly changed part of my opinion on the future of this league. I'm not 100% sold that this league is going to survive because I don't think it can as it's currently structured. Unless what we know to be the norm changes at some point. Um, I still am of the opinion, and it'll probably take me a long time to get off the opinion that we're going to end up with four super conferences. But... If that doesn't happen, you know this does give you a little bit of light. You're putting a money gap on the other two already. Well, yeah, and if you're 
if you're the two big dogs, I mean, like we were talking about earlier, be honest, Texas and Oklahoma are, are your bigger marquee teams of this conference. There's there's no doubt about that, just from a national point of view. Do you really, the way things are in the Big 12, would you do you really want to jump ship and go, say, either to the Big 10 or SEC or, you know, that's one of the talks, you know, one of them would go there, one of them would go to the SEC. Well, is that something you really want to do? That doesn't make sense from a competition standpoint either to me. No, because it's going to be hard to win a league. I mean, you're adding another uh, – in the case of either Texas or Oklahoma, you're adding another blue blood to already a really volatile group of teams, um, especially when they get when they are rolling with proper coaching and all that. But if the Big 12 got to be as bad as the Big East was in this last year or two, I would be okay with going to the SEC at that point and just wading the waters. But we aren't to that point yet. And no. I, and if anything, it's it's turning itself around somehow, which people two years ago told you wasn't possible. So, you know, just Big 12 fans, if you're a Big 12 purist hanging there, you know, the, the West, maybe we can find a way to be as happy about the West Virginia and yet as happy about it as West Virginia TCU fans are. And, again, I know that's not the entire fan bases, but, you know, I see enough traffic to know people are pretty excited about what's going on in their programs. So um, kind of jumping next to the topic, it's been kind of a crazy recruiting Yes, it has. Uh, in the last, I don't know, what, 10 days-ish, roughly? Um, you know, 10 days ago, Texas looked good, but they didn't look anything like this. Um, and we're going to talk about a few of the key recruits real quick, just to let you guys kind of know an update. And I can't get to every one of them on every school that happened in the last 10 days. I'm sorry. There's just not enough time in the show. Um, if I would, I could. And, you know, if you're not familiar and new to the platform, we do a recruiting series. Well, we've had one year, but we will be continuing the recruiting series every January that we did. Uh, where we talk to some of the recruits uh, that we feel like are pretty much concrete to the schools they're committed to. And then um, we will bring in your experts per year school and talk about the recruiting class. So we do love recruiting. We do love to get into it, but it, it just takes up a monstrous amount of time. And it's not something that we can dive into all the way every show. But kind of starting out just in general, uh, Texas, what was that yesterday or was that today? I'm sorry, I'm off because I didn't sleep much today. Was it yesterday the big kid, the big one we're about to talk about committed? Yes. Yesterday? Okay. Sorry, my days are all screwed up from not sleeping much today. Um, so basically, you know, Texas ended up getting top-ranked safety in the country, B.J. Foster. The best headline, is what I'm trying to say, that I saw in this I thought was funny was, and, and when I say the word scout, I'm not talking about scout.com. I'm talking about because of this article is via ESPN. They call their their – division of recruiting scout ESPN scout or whatever it says scout uh, has deemed that he is a good fit for the Longhorns and I, I thought that was kind of funny because he's the best safety in the country where's he not yeah, gonna fit exactly I mean like that's your profound title of your headline <laughs> when the number one safety in the country signs with Texas of all places that he, oh we think he's a pretty good fit there well no crap he's yeah. gonna be a good fit if he'd have walked in anywhere well, yeah, when it comes to Texas over the past few years, they've done a decent job of recruiting. They've always just missed on the what is happens to be the most important position on the field, the yeah. quarterback. It, it, all the other positions, they've had, they've had really good talent, but they haven't had that quarterback since, well, basically Colt McCoy, mm-hmm. to really throw them into the next level. They, they've missed multiple times on that one position. That, that's been their Achilles heel as far as, far as recruiting. They, they've they done well other places. They just haven't got that guy to, to lead the team. Garrett Gilbert's a little hard to fault, hard to fault them on. Oh, yeah, I would agree with that. He had all You're the right. signs of somebody that was going to be great then comes in that national title game. I mean, I'll be honest. After that national title game in 09, I was worried about how good Texas was going to be next year. And you know, he just never did quite come to form. 
of what we saw in the game and what we saw them in high school. After that, it's just tons and tons of failure and scouting and recruiting and wanting guys to play the wrong positions and et cetera. And so, you know, this is this has got to be a welcome thing for Longhorns. And I saw yesterday uh, 247 posted that in the last month, I think it was, month, month and a half, whatever it was, um, their 247 site, I hope I don't call it the wrong one. I can't remember. It may be Hook'em is the, is the 247 site. But anyway, their 247 site uh, is the most – subscriptions in the last month of anybody in the country well obviously that's not a coincidence right um you know you're gonna we saw this a little bit but not near on this scale with oklahoma a couple years ago when when bob went and fired all the coaches and we got new young fresh energy in there it still took a year or two of moving a few people around but you started the recruiting started to come back up it had been down 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 and it was just a little bit back up people were excited about some players again and you saw the same kind of thing. Uh, I remember the memberships going out of the out of the moon on a lot of the OU sites. So it's something that you, you tend to see during this. But just to kind of give you the week they've had, and I have not heard this young man's name pronounced verbally. I apologize if I screw this up, and I will explain to you who he is in case I say his name wrong. I'm going to take a stab at it and say it's Ayadeli Adei. I don't know if that's how you say it, but that's what it looks like to me. Ayadeli Adei. He's an inside linebacker. Another top four, I think he's a four-star recruit off the top of my head. Yes. Um, and, I mean, that, that one right there, to me, I know it's hard to say a four-star is more important than a five-star, but, you know, that's kind of, I don't know, to me, it kind of starts and ends. With, and, again, I think linebacker play, and we've had this discussion off the air, I think linebacker play in now in the Big 12 is more important than ever because your linebackers are asked to do so much now that they weren't asked to do, say, well, what, 2005, 2004, Vince Young years and stuff like that. I mean, the things you're, your linebackers are asked to do now, and if you're looking, you're seeing a smaller linebacker kind of coming around the way nowadays, guys that can cover in the pass, you know, all that kind of thing. So linebacker, to me, it's so key. I mean, again, you got to have a good defensive line, obviously you got to have a secondary, but to me it's a really key thing. So I thought that was a good pick for them. Um, he's the number 43-ranked prospect in the ESPN 300. Uh, the safety was like the number 38-ish prospect. So that's, I mean, that's you're talking a hair between a four- and a five-star. Right. Line. Um, as far as continuing the rest of the week for Texas, the news they had, uh, obviously I'm sure most of you know by now, Malik Zaire is not coming to Austin. Uh, and honestly, my honest assessment of this is you can thank the recent SEC change that all of a sudden happened in the rules. Because from my understanding was that was kind of restricting him from being able to join the SEC entirely if he wanted to or not. Uh, and I, I didn't get into the whole story because I really didn't care because I really didn't think he would end up in Texas anyway. But he, there was a there was a good window where he was going to almost have to because he wouldn't have better options. And in the SEC met, they made some rule changes, and then immediately it's announced Malik Zaire is going to Florida. So I, I don't think that it's coincidence that those two happened within about a 24-hour period. Um, so obviously, and again, I mean, Texas with Malik Zaire is a good team, but I don't think it's going to kill him. I mean, I, they're not quite ready to beat the world at quarterback, but the quarterback they got now is pretty good, and I don't see them taking him out for Zaire. Zaire is a good runner. A good playmaker, but he's not the best passer in the world. He's a left-handed quarterback, which even though I'm left-handed, I have a huge bias against left-handed quarterbacks. I don't really care for him. Um, you know, he just he never quite impressed me as a thrower. So, um, and you know, you work in a good offense, you get enough threat of a run game, then you get a Tim Tebow situation where guys are open by 20 yards, and then he doesn't miss. So, you know, maybe something like that happens. But um, one other recruit I wanted to touch on that Texas got, if I can find the article before I lose it, should be right here somewhere. Oh, um, Keontae Ingram, the running back, went to Texas. Uh, at that time, this was God. This has been almost. This has been right out a week ago. 
this is when things really started to pick up for him. Because you got four-star, four-star, five-star, and what, a five-day stretch roughly? Right. Um, but, yeah, this one this one really kind of – and, again, they were having a really good class. It was a top-15 class when Keontae joined it. So, I mean, it like, and, again, it's still early. That doesn't really mean a whole lot right now. But these big programs like Texas and the Oklahomas, the Alabamas, the USC's, when they start off that hot, it's hard to ever see them coming back to the pack. So that is one good thing to have them up that high already. But he joined. Uh, I mean, the guy, the little bit I have gotten to watch of him, definitely kind of, a, you know, he's got some home run hitting capabilities in him. Uh, he's hard to bring down. He's, he's, I think he's going to be a pretty good running back. So that was another big one for him. But, you know, again, I can't get into – I mean, they, the last 14 days, 15 days, whatever it has been for them is – I mean, what is it? God, it seems like they've had about five commits in about two weeks. So – and big key commits. I mean, it wasn't like just light people. So that's a little bit of what's going on with Texas. Uh, Oklahoma got one today. He's a, he's a three-star defensive tackle from uh, Arizona State. Well, originally he signed with Arizona State, uh, then eventually went to – I think it's Cerritos Junior College and came to OU. Um, the reason it's so important, he's – I ain't going to be able to say his name anyway. His first name is Dylan. I think it's like Famatu or something. I don't know exactly how to say the last name. But um, the reason that's big for Oklahoma is because Oklahoma, you know, you have had a huge recruiting class. You have had a lot of key high names brought in in the last year, year and a half. He – it's pretty clear that OU's kind of shortcoming has been a defensive line. And to get a guy that's physically, you know, he's six. I think he's like 6'5", 300 pounds or something like that. Mm-hmm. To get a guy that – or maybe 6'3", 300 pounds, a guy to get that physical, that big, ready to play, you know, he's, he's already college shape size to go play. So to get somebody like that, that's big for Oklahoma where they've been a little short on the defensive line. And then also they got about a week ago a uh, three-star quarterback out of Texas. Uh, his name's Tanner Mordecai. Um, you know, my big take from this – is he the most impressive kid you're going to see this year in the class as a quarterback? No. But you can watch him. He's got some of that gamer in him, and I hate to use this comparison because it's going to put way too much weight on him, but he's a lot like Baker Mayfield in the fact that just – and, again, this is a very limited scope I've gotten to watch him. But um, he's kind of a gamer. You know, he's you know he's not the biggest kid in the world. He's not small, but he's not the biggest kid in the world. Uh, he definitely will step up and tra- challenge you with his arm. Uh, he can get away from some people. So, I, to me, if nothing else – it almost just feels like another Lincoln Riley quarterback, which as long as Lincoln Riley's there, can't really be a bad thing. So he seems to be able to know how to take these kids and mold them. And if you get somebody that's ridiculously talented, I'm scared to see what he would do. Not that Baker's not. Baker was a little undersold at the beginning of his career. But if you gave him like a Sam Bradford that was the prototype quarterback, I'd be scared to see what he'd do with him. Um, so, you know, that to me, if nothing else, that was kind of a good thing. Just, you know, not – I mean, he's a top 300 player. It's not like a kid sucks. Right. But he's just not the best quarterback in the class by any means. So – that was their big. That was their two big ones. They they picked up uh, today. Kansas got Kansas got the. And I had to I had to do this because their website for whatever reason didn't update it, so I had to pull it up my phone. Kansas got a bigger crew today. Forgive me. I'll find it in a minute. But um, it was a, it was a three star kid from them, number two player in the state of Kansas. I do know that by most people's take. Um, and for them, I mean, it kind of if you if you were excited on them and kind of drunk on how much success they were having early on in recruiting. Things have kind of slowed down, obviously. But, again, you're hanging on to a five-star at freaking Lawrence, Kansas, at wide receiver, um, and several four-stars, and now a couple three-stars. So, um, I don't, I just don't know how you could be upset with that. I mean, I, I, knowing where we came from with Kansas, is there anything you're seeing they're not fulfilling at this point that should make you ecstatic about a fan, if you're a fan? No, no, I mean, just, just the – 
and like we talked about before, the way the, the effort they're showing on the field is is totally different. There was no give up in them, and then to start seeing them hit on some recruits that, let's be honest, say three years ago, they they probably wouldn't even talk to them, mm-hmm. and, and now and now they're actually committing to them. Mm-hmm. So I mean, they they are making big strides now. I mean, you know, you got to take that with in the side of you know if you're like a Texas or an Oklahoma fan, you think, oh well big deal but but for their program and for the direction they're going it's it's a big deal i mean they're, they're making strides the right direction mm-hmm. so i mean if you look at it as a whole for kansas this they're they're putting themselves on the projection of going there i mean of of increasing each year and and that's that's all you can ask for whenever you're a fan of a team that's been struggling for a while it, it starts showing progress mm-hmm. each year take take a take a step in the right direction you know you're not gonna you're not gonna go from not winning a game the entire season to a national title game the next year. It's not going to happen. You're, you're going to have to take steps. Yeah. And, and before I get I, – I apologize. I opened the wrong part of my phone. That's why I didn't see it. Uh, his name is Miles Emery, 6'5", 235-pound defensive end. Uh, he's from Blue Valley North. I'm not really familiar with that school. It's in Kansas somewhere, obviously. Um, <laughs> this article was written by the Kansas City Star. I'm guessing they don't do very many recruiting articles because it's worded, defensive end from Blue Valley North orally committed to – the Kansas football oh. team instead of verbally. I thought that was kind of funny. So, anyway, I apologize, Kansas fans and everybody else that took me a minute. I opened the wrong part of my phone. I apologize. They didn't have it updated on their website. But he, uh, I mean, again, this is not a recruit Kansas has gotten in the last, I mean, even when Todd Reason was there and they were winning, they weren't pulling recruits like this for the following years. It just wasn't happening. No. So, um, they've already got more talent in this class than they've had. I, I would estimate just – I mean, if you're talking about the elite the, – the best guys in each class, I would estimate there's more guys in this class than they've had in the last seven classes probably. At oh, least. I would agree. And, and it's yeah. not even that big of a class yet. So um, – and the reason we're bringing this up and, and harping on it is so people understand Kansas is actually doing something, and it's impressive, and it's fun to watch. And, again, I told you guys when we did the uh, – after the OU Kansas game, the when we were starting out last year – I don't know that there was a defense that hit us harder for four quarters all day, as far as in-season Big 12 play. Well, four quarters all season. You know, and, and I was able to kind of view some of the Kansas games, you know, because, you know, doing this now, we we want to view more games. They didn't give up any. I mean, they, they played mm-hmm. they played really hard every single down. You know, did they make mistakes? Yes. Were they out of position sometimes? Yes. But as far as effort – and then even when you get behind, they keep they keep chugging, they keep plugging. You weren't you weren't seeing that, you know, three years ago. Mm-hmm. Whenever they got down by a couple touchdowns, it was it was it was over. They they were throwing in the towel. Mm-hmm. They this team did do that. They they battled. So I mean, to me, seeing that that means that they're buying into what the coach is saying, and they're they're believing that they're getting better. You know, and so as a Kansas fan, you see that on the field, and then you start seeing off the field these type of commitments verbally. You know, committing to to your program. You're on the right track. Yeah. You know, I mean, like I said, are you going to be going for a Big 12 title in two years? No. But are but are you all of a sudden, you know, within three or four years, you know, making the right steps to get to that point? You are. Yeah. And that's what you have to be excited about. Well, and the reason why that's so important is because when you take that kind of a team that is willing to play that hard, and, you know, again, we have every team is going to take on its own identity year to year. But assuming they're going to continue playing that way and then – you have quality coaching, obviously, but he's a good coach. I don't think there's anybody that would doubt that at this point. No. Um, he's got a pretty quality staff there, especially with the running backs coach that he brought in. You you add to that coaching and quality coaching and now talent. I mean, 
I don't think Kansas is winning a national title in the next 10 years, obviously, but there's a good possibility they're no longer the doormat in the Big 12 either. I don't really know who would fall into that position, but nor do I want to have that argument. But, you know, I, that's why I think it's so important people understand what's going on. you got a team that for a year has shown us they will play through the gates of hell for this coach and take a whipping and keep on coming, and now you're going to add talent to that situation. I just think I just think it's worth noting, you know, put an earmark in it. In two years, let's see where we are with this team, but just – you know, the, there's a good the, chance they're coming. The, the the hard part is going to be keeping the coach. I mean, do you start if everybody starts seeing the things that he's doing mm-hmm. and seeing the way his team plays, and he's starting to get these recruits to come into Lawrence who struggled historically, you know, getting bigger names. That that's going to be hard to keep him. Yeah, and 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 that's a that's a discussion we've had with other people. <laughs> well, like um, uh, Garrett that does the uh, that was working with the Cyclones, and we do that. As a matter of fact, we got an interview with him this week. Um, you know, we were talking to him about, you know, how long do you think you keep Coach Campbell with all this going on? Now, with Campbell, it's a little different situation because, I mean, he really is passionate about that job. And not that Beatty's not about Kansas, but if I remember correctly how that went down, Beatty took the Power 5 job that he was pretty much offered, and it was Kansas. It wasn't – whereas Campbell really had a lust for the Iowa State job to some degree. So and – and not that Beatty's not – not that he's not happy to be there. I'm not saying that one bit. But it's just a little bit different backgrounds on the two coaching situations there. So – I, basically, what I'm trying to say is, I think I would see it would be easier for me to see Beatty leaving than Campbell at the moment. But I can see that too. Not that he has any intention of doing that, right? And he might be perfectly happy there. And if things are happening in the right direction, he might want to stay many, many years. Maybe you know he really loves it. There's no way to really tell that until it gets to that point. Mm-hmm. But whenever you, you know, if it, let's just say a like an Oregon or someone comes to you, you you're going to listen. Mm-hmm. I mean, no, now whether or not he takes a job or not, who knows? But I mean, it's it's going to be. It's going to be interesting to see what happens, and, and the way the way things are going, that that will be a discussion that's going to have to be talked about at, in Lawrence, say three years from now. Yeah, I mean, with the direction they're going and the steps they're making, it's gonna it's gonna come up. Yeah, and, and I just that's been my biggest part too. I've been trying to share on the show too, is just to try to bring this to people's attention. That's been my goal with all this with Kansas. It's just and again, it's something that I didn't even wouldn't even have appreciated this time last year. Uh, it's something that we've done getting into the show. And being more familiar with these rosters, not that we thought Kansas was anything different. We knew what they were. But, you know, understanding these rosters, these situations, these coaching staffs a little better. Not Again, not that we're experts on it. We're still disorganized. I mean, we threw the show together today because we were trying to get a show out for you guys. Um, so, you know, we're not the most in-depth experts on this, on some of these topics. But we see it enough now and have to study it enough now that we can appreciate it. And I know it may be hard for the the Oklahoma only fan who screw the rest of the conference, or the Oklahoma State fan that says screw the rest of the conference. People like Colin's dad that are just older, old school, cannot even begin to dream the idea the SEC has is of a unified conference. People root for each other. Doesn't want anything to do with that. Would be happy if Norman fell into the ocean and never existed again. I mean, that, that's <laughs> that's the type of person we're dealing with here. And there's a lot of those people still around here, and that's fine. There's people our generation that are that way. Um, it's far few in between compared to that one. But, you know, it's, it's something we see every now and then. So i just trying to imp- and enforce on those people, just, just take time to appreciate what they're doing because this was a team that at its worst, it was just hard to even justify building a football team at some points. You know what I mean? Right. And I hate to say it that way. I don't mean to be mean, but it, just, it was getting so bad. As, and, and, again, Weiss, absolutely. I know we've harped on it since we started this show last September, but – Weiss absolutely destroyed this program with his lack of recruiting, 
his lack of even being congenial to kids to want to come there with staying stuff like how am I supposed to win with that crap on the field? And then also not recruiting behind the scenes. Um, so, you know, again, we talked about it when BD took over. They had about 50 scholarship players. Right. Out of you're, you're already 30-something players behind the eight ball um, against any other team pretty much in your conference that's obviously going to fill 85. So, and then, obviously, Kansas isn't getting the same type of players everybody else is. So, that's why I just try to harp on people to understand where the, they've come a long way. Yes, they have. Uh, in one year. Yeah, I mean, it might be – it's kind of crazy to say, but it's it's probably the biggest jump I've seen in a long time. Exactly. In, for, in a for our program. Per, turnaround, I, I can't think of one. I don't know if there's been one in the history of this conference that's been that bad. To, to And, again, they haven't proven anything on the field yet. They only won a few games. Well, they won four games last year? But, Three games, whatever you, it was. Right, right. That's the same. You, ha- you haven't seen it on the field, but – the, the signs are pointing toward you're this year I think you're gonna see they're gonna surprise a couple people this year that that they probably wouldn't have in the past I mean mm-hmm. they're they're doing things behind the scenes that no one's really talking about and no one's really you know you don't actually see because you don't you, know, you turn on the game obviously you, you don't really hear about the recruiting or you see the different things that are going on but they yeah. they are making big strides there and it's really impressive I mean for like I was saying I I honestly think this is one of the biggest jumps I've seen a major college program take from where they were at to where to the signs that they're showing now of where they're going. It, it's impressive. Yeah. And, and this is Colin's team. I wish he was here because there's a few things I'd like to ask him. The quarterback they picked up and transferred, I don't have to know his name because it's Colin's team and I can't think of his name, but the one we're expecting to start, um, that's going to be a huge upgrade at quarterback as far as the passing game from what I've seen the, of the yes. kid. Um, and then you start adding to that guys that can make plays. I mean – they already have Speedy Gonzalez, who's one of the hardest guys to cover in the league, probably at wide receiver. The right. guy can fly, um, you know, and, and so you're, you're starting to add talent to that situation. That's all we're getting out here. And I, I know some of you probably don't want to hear about it, don't want to care, but we just want to take time to kind of to put some light on what they've done there. It's been pretty impressive. Um, moving over quickly to TCU, only one really thing we're talking about here, in my opinion, and that's Justin Rogers. Um, uh, if you got the chance to listen to our last show we recorded, I think it was before we had our little mishap and couldn't go in the air for a week. Um, he, our our TCU guy Jeff, who does a great job, I love having him on. Does a great interview from, and many of you have interacted with him, maybe not even knowingly, through our Twitter account. Uh, he's the one who runs the uh, Frogcast website, or our Twitter handle. It's like at the Frogcast or whatever, at the Frogcast TCU. Um, he. Uh, if you guys will remember, talked about this on our show about mm-hmm. Justin Rogers is really high on TCU. He's going to decide here pretty soon, and that could be a game changer for TCU. And lo and behold, they got him. And the kid, I mean, I from what I've seen, is pretty steadfast. I don't really see him leaving. I know there's a long way to go to get to, to February. Well, I guess now we have the early signing, don't we? Um, but still, I just don't. I don't see. Him going anywhere, I think he's going to be – and we've talked about it a little bit on this. Again, not an expert in any of this. I just love recruiting, so I study it. One thing I've learned, uh, and the SEC kind of perfected it in a lot of ways, is the kind of new age of recruiting, which is you build a class early and as fast as often. And a lot of times if you can start with a top-level quarterback, maybe not necessarily start, but early on in the class, get a top-level quarterback, all of a sudden the people come. Because right. they want to play with these guys. There's only so many of these kids in the country every year, and their best of the elite of their kids and their same age group are going to want to come play with them. Yeah, and it's getting them to an area that they haven't had 
a foothold in. You know, Louisiana. I mean, Louisiana is a hotbed for a lot of talented athletes. It's supplied so, LSU pretty much, and Alabama, and right. Mississippi State for. So I mean, if if you could get a top level quarterback out of there, and then all the different camps and stuff they have now with all the different seven on sevens, all the different things. He he's he's the, the interaction between players from across the state nowadays is way different than it was say in the early nineties or mm-hmm. whatever. You know, you go back twenty years. It's a totally different thing. They, they they communicate constantly. They see each other at these camps. So they they build relationships. So if you can land a kid like that, all of a sudden, all those you know certain wide receivers want want to play with him. So all of a sudden, they start looking at TCU. So it, it's like a domino effect. It's it's really you're right. It's really changed the way recruiting's done because it is also getting TCU into a place that they've historically not had a stronghold in. Yeah. So it's going to be – this is going to be a really big thing for TCU in the future. You know, if he's able to stay there and bring some guys with him, it could be a, a pipeline type thing happening in Louisiana that they've never had before. But just just look at them and what Kansas has done in Louisiana in the last – now, again, Kansas lost one of them, but still, just in theory, the verbal commits they've gotten in this one. The Big 12 doesn't go into Louisiana and get a lot of players. No. I mean, not on a yearly basis. Um, I remember a few years ago, Oklahoma signed a three-star safety out of Louisiana, uh, Chance um, – his name, last name escapes me, but most of the people will know who I'm talking about that are OU fans. Uh, his name's Chance. And uh, he was, I mean, people were super static. Everybody was high on him. He was a three-star safety, not anything away from the kid. He was a really good player. Uh, really glad to have him. He's on the roster right now. But that was about it. I mean, you didn't see a whole lot. I mean, again, Texas usually goes in there and grabs one. Somebody, you know, et cetera, et cetera. OSU might get one, one off here, whatever. But you're starting to really see – the, the Big 12 makes some of and again, this is not we don't have a long enough case study to say this is definitely the case that's happening, but you're starting to see them make somewhat of a headway into the state. And, I mean, when you take pound for pound size and population, I don't know if there's a better state in the country than, than Louisiana when it comes to putting out top-notch talent uh, consistently year after year, supplying so many big schools uh, with, you know, God, what does it, LSU goes and cleans the place out every year, and there's still enough to go around for Alabama, Mississippi State, Florida, Arkansas, Oklahoma, if they can get one, Texas, A&M. I mean, it's doing all those schools. And that little state compared to, like, Texas or Florida or or uh, California, you know? Yeah, population-wise, um, you're right. I don't know. I mean, to me, they, there's, it, you could make a case that it's the most talent-rich state uh, on an average over the last 10 years or whatever per capita or however you want to say that. So – it's big for the Big 12 to get in there, obviously, is, is what we're trying to get out here. They need to get in there, and if they can, it's only going to pay off dividends for the entire league. It could be the answer to where, you know, a lot of people said the one thing that did hurt the Big 12 by bringing TCU in and Baylor's uprising that they had was all of a sudden there's not any Texas players to go around when you combine that with A&M open the door for the SEC. Um, and and you, to some extent, you're seeing that. So if you could have a supplemental state like Louisiana with that much talent in it, it would go a long way for the league. So to me, that's why this is important. Why you're seeing some of the, you know, Kansas of all people. And again, that coach had a plan. He went in and he got them. You know, a lot of people knew what was going to happen. But still, um, if it's something that can play out over the next few years, I think it could be really important for the league uh, as far as supplementing some more of these teams. But Justin Rogers, hell of a quarterback. Um, you know, people have kind of varying opinions on him. Everybody agrees he's really good. Um, but there's some differing opinions on where he ranks among the quarterbacks, which ultimately doesn't matter. But all that is is all we have to go on at the moment. Um, you know, they've, some people have more quarterbacks like Cam Rising that flipped to Texas recently. Other people say there's no way in hell you're crazy to put him over Cam Rising. So, you know, but again, total package. The kid's really good, really gifted, excited to see what he could do. 
for TCU, and it really kind of makes you wonder about the kid they just had that they're so excited about uh, because he's a really good quarterback. You were starting to hear whispers of, like, the next Trevon Boykin, uh, and Jeff even sounded pretty high on the fact that he could fight for some serious playing time this year. Right. And, I mean, you put him side by side, I'm sorry, he's a better quarterback, or Rodgers is a better quarterback. So, you know, we'll see what happens there with that. But, anyway, I wanted to bring that up with the recruiting. Again, I know, sorry, some of this is kind of scattered. We didn't have a lot of time to get this show ready. I apologize. Uh, Baylor, you know, they've, they've gotten some key recruits. They're, it's not anything, and again, we can't cover all this. I wish I could go through and find all these names for you guys. There's just not enough time in one show. Um, they've got, just want to bring them up shortly. They're still getting some key. It's nothing overwhelming for the most part. Um, they're not just knocking the park out with the top-notch recruits, but they're getting a lot of higher ones, three-star guys, guys like that. So uh, he's still doing a great job there. Uh, Kansas State, well, what can I say other than they're Kansas State? They're, um, there hasn't been a whole lot of news out of there in, in the world of recruiting lately. Yeah, but that's that's normal. Yeah, exactly. And, and then that's then all of a sudden they 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 had nine wins. Yeah, you just you know, that's the, I, the thing about the Great Wizard. I mean, that's that's the thing. You just you're like, what, what, who are these kids? And then all of a sudden, there's nine wins. It, it, you gotta give the guy credit. He knows whatever he finds, he knows how to coach them. And what pisses you off the most is when you find out they're from your state and your team could have had them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then they turn into the freaking lockets. Yeah, and they become a you know dynasty Pipeline. that could have played at Oklahoma or Oklahoma State. So. Stuff like that tends to happen with with Kansas State. Um, you know, that's and real quickly to touch on that whole situation, we kind of need to. It was kind of a big deal. The wide receiver, he didn't want to let go. Yes. The one thing I thought was kind of hypocritical about that whole thing from him was talking about, you know, oh, I'm getting transfers, letting kids transfer, da, da, da. Well, this program has been, some years, founded on transfers. Uh, key guys, that, you know, and it, it may not be numerically wise, but talking about key players, quarterbacks, um, guys that have come into play there that wouldn't have been there otherwise if it wasn't for transfer rules. So I thought that whole thing was a little hypocritical on his part. I thought it could have been handled poorly. Obviously, that's not breaking news. It could have been handled better. It was handled poorly, but right. what was your take on that? Well, I felt the same way. I I, I felt if a kid really wants to go, let, let him go. I mean, you're, there's a reason why he's not happy. Um, it's not helping your program any. Even if he stays there, is it really going to help your program any? Mm-hmm. Obviously, he doesn't want to be there, so it's not going to help any. So then, then to have this negative, uh, negative publicity out there uh, of these different things being said, it doesn't help you any. Yeah. You know, and, and like you said, it is hypocritical because I mean, look at look at their teams in the past. They they've always had transfers. You know, and they're really big on, on getting JUCO type guys. You know, that could, to come in there. So I mean, if you look at the the way they've ran it, you're right. It is a little bit hypocritical. But just just from a just this situation type thing, it just seems smarter to let this kid go ahead and go on about his day. And, and, and turn loose and let him go because yeah. it's only going to make you look bad to other other players in the in the future. Well, and again, I don't know if I mentioned his name off the top. If I didn't, I'm sorry. Receiver, his name is Corey Sutton. Uh, I want to throw that in there, make sure we got that part of it mentioned. Um, obviously, it's not news to Kansas State fans. Some of the Big 12 fans around the league might not have really noticed. I don't know how you couldn't. It was kind of a, a pretty polarizing story there for about 48 hours. But um, Sutton eventually tweeted out, I don't remember what day it was, that he got in his full release. Um, so, you know, all ended up well, but again, to me, and I, and I don't want to go overboard here with this. I really don't because he's been so steadfast. He's been so strong, but little insights like this that we never get to see because nobody ever gets to hardly peek beyond the wall because he's always this stoic figure and they're always the same every year and, you know, consistency and family and the whole thing there. And you don't ever really get to look into them much. 
But you're starting to kind of see with instances like this why I think a lot of Kansas State fans, and again, I'm not speaking for the whole fan base. It's just what I've been read and what has been reported back to me from some, some fans I've talked to and actually people, writers also, uh, that write for the school. Um, there's some fans that are ready for him to go. And, and it's not in a get the hell out of here kind of way. It's a he's almost becoming more detrimental than he's helping. And it, almost to where you got the last few years with with, with uh, Joe Paterno, you know, kind of thing there. He'd hung on too long. And I'm not saying that's definitely 100% concrete because it'd be weird to see Kansas State without Bill Snyder on the sideline. And it'd be weird to try to figure out that whole dynamic of getting – they basically – I mean, he basically is their identity. Yeah, you're I mean, right. He's – and it, and it did turn out very well for him the the last time it happened. Yeah, I mean they you went know. and got Ron Prince or whatever his name was and lost four years, two years in a row, whatever the hell it was, he was gone. Yeah, then he comes back and all of a sudden they're playing mm-hmm. good football again. So I mean you're right. It's it's what it's like a catch twenty two thing. I mean it's it's at what point at what point is is it time? Mm-hmm. I mean and that's that's the hard part, especially whenever you're a fan or you know it's basically. They they kind of made it now it's his decision because they've when they brought him back and everything that's kind of the way they put it it's it's his choice to coach as long as he wants to mm-hmm. so they've kind of they kind of pitched to hold themselves into this thing where they they have to kind of let him decide and and you know who who knows what's going to happen and, you know I know he's he's been uh, battling cancer stuff too so that that's a whole another subject so it's going to be really interesting to see what happens but mm-hmm. I. I, I just kind of thought that just this specific thing was a little bit out of character for him because he just seems like the type of guy that'd be like, you know, hey, if you're if you're not very happy here, I understand. Let's move on down the road. Mm-hmm. I, that's what shot me kind of more than anything because I just uh, I just kind of had this idea that's the kind of way he would approach something like this. And and I I feel like he would be the first to tell you that, um, you know, he would be the kind of coach I think I don't know the man personally, but I think he'd be the kind of coach to tell you that nobody's bigger than the program. Right. That said, I don't know what Kansas State is without Bill Snyder on the sidelines. I don't know. I mean, we saw a glimpse of it, but we're talking permanently, long term, 10 years from now, if you were to leave now. Where is this program? What does it look like? Because we all know what it was before he got there. Yeah, the worst. The, the worst, worst program in the history of by far. Division One football, basically. Um, and, you know, I don't, it's just it's hard to imagine that. But, and again, Penn State went through that, and I still think they're going with that to some degree. Who are we without Joe Paterno? Uh, Florida State, a little bit with Bobby Bowden. Now, luckily for them, another good coach takes over. Recruiting kicks in for a school like Florida State pretty quickly, and then boom, they win titles and everything's fine. But you know, I don't, it, it's an interesting it's an interesting thing to, to consider because if he's not there, I don't know what they are. But I do feel like these little instances here. Don't be shocked if you start seeing more things like this. Maybe not this direct line, obviously, but if you start seeing some of these little spats, things where he does wrong in the media. He's basically put a timer on himself at that point, I feel like, from the school. And, and again, they're not going to completely lose this. He's got sons on the team, the coaching staff that I'm sure would stay behind and coach. I mean, I don't think the Bill Snyder way would ever completely leave for a right. while. But it'll be interesting to see what happens when if if that does come around soon. Um, Iowa State didn't really have – oh, was it Iowa State that had the quarterback? Uh, well, Iowa State had the, had the uh, grad transfer that decided to retire. Uh, okay, you want to bring he, that up? Yeah, well, he he was uh, his name is David Dawson. He was a grad transfer from Michigan, uh, offensive lineman. And you know, we talked about Iowa State's offensive line. They they're, they 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 have some decent kids there, but they just don't have very many numbers. Mm-hmm. So he he was. I don't know if necessarily think that Dawson was probably going to start this year, but he was definitely going to be having some playing time and give them a little little more depth in the line. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, if everything I read. Basically, it sounded like uh, there were some family issues. Um, they didn't really 
you know, I've tried to find some more information, but all I can really know of as of right now as concrete stuff is basically he was leaving because of family issues, and he decided just to, to retire from football. Like, so you, you know, he's not he's retiring because I haven't yes, read that anymore. He's not. So he's, yeah, he, he he's not going to another program or anything. It's just basically he's hanging up his cleats okay. and, and moving on. And so that. you know, I don't really know what the family dynamic is in that. Uh, I, I'm not going to speculate or throw anything out there, but. Um, you know, it, it's a retirement type thing. It's not a, you know, I, I'm, I'm not happy here, so I'm going to the ex school. He, he's, he's done with football. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that, that, that's a big blow for them because they, they also had another grad transfer like in March who, who they thought they were going to get from a USC as an offensive lineman to help with those numbers. And then he also, he backed out and went to uh, North Carolina. So, I mean, it's been kind of a blow for them just based on numbers. Uh, you know, whether those guys were, we were going to be huge impact players on the field. I mean, who knows exactly? But I will say this this just hurts them based on the numbers. And and the thing is, it sounded like Coach Campbell understood the situation. He he, he basically was saying, you know, there, there's a family dynamics there. He's got his degree from the University of Michigan. Uh, he'll be fine. You know, we'll, we're going to move on. So it, it sounds like it, it was kind of a, a mutual – I mean, understandable thing. It wasn't, you know, he wasn't yeah. angry that he was doing this. It, it sounded like there was probably some things there that maybe not, you know, no one wants to know publicly what's going on. Mm-hmm. But but Campbell made it sound like he he was he understood the situation because he gave him, he gave him a little time to kind of think about it and make sure that's what he wanted to do before he actually said, yeah, I, I I'm not playing anymore. Okay, I didn't I didn't get all those details. I read the, I saw the story come across this morning that he wasn't joining the team, and I knew that was a blow for them because. I remember Garrett talking about how high that he was on their offensive line with what was there that was going to you know be coming in and coming back and all that and this kid was obviously going to be an integral part of that. Right. But I didn't see any, I didn't see any facts saying he was retired. I didn't know what the situation was. I knew he was leaving the school and he wasn't going to show up. That's all I knew at the time when I read the article. So right. I didn't know that. Well, maybe maybe when Garrett comes on, we can maybe find out some more information. But everything that I, I that I have found out personally has been, excuse me, that he's he's decided for family issues he's he's going to retire. He's 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 done playing football. Okay. So it's not – I don't think it's necessarily that he was unhappy at Iowa State and, and he was unhappy with the coaches or anything like that. It just – there's – I don't know what the issue is, but he's decided just to stop playing. So, okay. you know, and, and it is a blow – like I said, it is a blow to Iowa State from the from just a standpoint of their numbers as a lineman position are just low and they, they need some help there. Just, you know, if someone gets banged up, they um, – but as far as was he going to – you know, set the world on fire out there as a starter. I, I don't think so, but it definitely does hurt them. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of on that same line, I wanted to bring that up. So it was a good time. Um, West Virginia lost a quarterback uh, a couple days ago. Uh, his name was Mike Casarza. Oh, I'm sorry, I read the, that was the reporter. I apologize. The quarterback's name was Cody Sar- Saunders. It was reported by Mike Casarza. Uh, he'll no longer be playing on the pos- uh, playing the position due to injuries. Um, there's kind of some debate that he might end up getting to play wide receiver or something like that, but it sounded like, and I haven't been able to find a ton of information on this, and I've actually seen some different varying things on his injuries. I've seen stuff like spinal, neck, stuff like that. Um, so not exactly sure, 100%. I think in a couple more days you may know a little bit more, or if you want to go ahead and believe one of the sites, knock yourself out. Um, I usually like to try to get some of these things echoed by multiple sites before I really start diving into it. But um, anyway, he's not going to be able to play quarterback. And the, and the big issue here, and obviously kids' health comes first, that's important. He needs to be healthy. The big issue here is West Virginia just does not have a quarterback right now behind Greer. Right. Um, you know, if anything were to happen to Greer, they are hurting bad. 
And and as we've talked about, and it's something we'll get into when we get into the show previews in in July, August, whatever that comes around when we get back into our season previews. Um, you know, it's something we've talked about a lot, and it's my opinion, and you can knock me for it. You can't, you know, whatever West Virginia fans come at me, you know where to find me. I don't see any way in hell this team is as good as it was last year, even with Greer. I think the offense could be better, but I don't think the defense is going to be what it was. The defense, in my opinion, was a nature of really good storm of mature players that knew their roles, knew their positions, had been there a while, and then some good sprinkled-in talent that a lot of that talent did come back. But I think some of the guys that are losing the leadership they're losing is going to hurt them. Um, and, and they could. They could come out and somehow still win 10 games. I, but I just don't see any way right now they're better unless Greer just completely, you know, goes next level from the quarterback position, which he, I think, has the capabilities. I just don't know what's going to happen. If, we, if it does happen, it's, it's probably not going to happen for like week six, week seven when he finally starts getting in the groove of playing again. I mean, the kid hasn't played right. college football in, what, a year and a half? Yeah, and, so, and, and you bring up a good point. I mean, we, we, we all think that Greer is upgraded quarterback position. Which which will oh, help, yeah. but over Skyler, big time. Right, but if you but if he's if he is hurt, wh- where do they go from there? Exactly. So I mean, you're right. This is this is a bigger story. Maybe people like you know, oh well, backup quarterbacks leave a big deal. But if this guy gets hurt, you're you're going to see this story be a big story. It's not going to be yeah. just a, a little side note. And, and as we get through the summer, I'll, we'll understand these new rosters as they've formed a little better. Uh, the way I understand it is this guy was probably your best chance to back him up. If not, he was going to be right there competing for that shot. So, um, anyway, that was the fear like Oklahoma had last year. Again, they had a, a good freshman that had just come in, but no experience. If we lose Baker Mayfield, what the hell are we going to do? Um, we've seen it countless times. I mean, Texas, there's been several years recently where maybe even the quarterback wasn't that good, but there was nothing behind him. Uh, and, and, and it's just going to be hard for West Virginia to, you know – feel safe about going into the season. I mean, I agree. All the happiness about Greer, that's great, but it's got to be a little bit in the back of your mind there. Oh, God, God, what are we going to do if, you know, Greer goes down? Because Greer, I mean, from if he is what I saw at Florida, he's not scared to get out and move. And, that, and that's when, you know, these type of things tend to happen that take quarterbacks out of these positions. So, I mean, just ask Drew Bledsoe and how fast that thing can all change for you. Yeah, so, yeah. You go from starting quarterback to never playing again. Yeah, so. working at the Piggly Wiggly. Exactly, exactly. But – uh, I just, I don't know, it it may not, and it, again, and I don't want to over-harp on some things or make too much big conclusions or jump to conclusions. It may not ever matter. Greer may play every snap of the season, but just some things we're going to put in the back of your mind, you know, the Kansas recruiting, pay attention to them, this situation, West Virginia quarterback, um, Texas Tech made some news today with some other stuff that we'll get to in a second real quickly. Uh, did you have anything else? Is that all in that one player? Yeah, as far as, as far as what's going on with, with Iowa State right now. Okay, I want to make I sure mean, you didn't have anything else to add uh, on your stuff there. Um, Oklahoma State hasn't really had a, a huge recent recruiting you know spell or anything like that. Uh, they did fall out of favor with one of the nation's top players. Um, and I say top, he's one of the ESPN 300 players. I mean, he's, he wasn't like top five, but he was one of the upper players. So, but and again – since we're on the subject of recruiting, one thing I do want to commend Oklahoma State for, uh, and I, we went through this with Oklahoma, I think Texas under Herman's going to bring it to a whole nother stupidity level. But the schools in the Big 12 are starting to get more modern in the recruiting. They're starting to catch up and right. close the gap on the ACC and the SEC, mostly the SEC, because they got staffs of like 16 people that monitor Twitter accounts for their head coaches. It's insane. Um, which could come if people like Boren or and forgive me for not knowing any of their presidents' names off the top of my head, 
uh, what's the one OSU? Hargis. Uh, Hargis. Any of those guys would, you know, there's there's a chance if they would want to contribute some more money, you could create some of those positions. But it just apparently hasn't been there. So, again, that could be a plus from this more money we talked about earlier in the show. But I do want to commend OSU. Um, they didn't – I don't think they're quite hitting their stride as fast as Oklahoma did. But as far as quickly how it turned it around from being way behind, five years behind recruiting to, like, maybe a year behind. But I'm really starting to see some signs that they're starting to get it. Right. Uh, with the way they're messaging kids, the way they're talking to kids. Um you know, you could tell when they first started dabbling in some of that a little bit, the more modern social media style, they really didn't know what they were doing. And that's, I mean, that's part of it. You're going to figure it out. You're going to figure out what's worked with kids and what's not. Well, it's one of those things but, where you, you have to bring in someone who knows what the hell to talk about. I mean, it's like lingo and stuff. You know, there's different ways to do these things. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're not used to doing that thing, it's you walk into it and you're trying to communicate with this 18-year-old kid. It's tough. But you know you you have to get the right type of guys mm-hmm. that know how how to do that you know yeah. and, and it's a process it's not something that you just do it overnight exactly and going back to those staffs like the SEC has like and even Clemson um, I remember hearing one day and you know don't hold me to this number but I know it's pretty close um, that um, what uh, Dabo Sweeney has a staff of roughly twelve to fourteen guys that basically handle the social media for him from their their viewpoint of the staff and all that and they constantly are talking to people, especially now with the new recruiting rules. Um, so, I mean, that's something that the schools right here doesn't really have. And you're, you're talking a staff of 12 or 14, probably 21 to 25-year-olds, if I'm guessing. Right. They're not going to be older because they haven't earned any time in the coaching booth or anything like that yet. Uh, and some of them are strictly social media, period. They have no future in coaching, don't want a future in coaching. It's all about recruiting, you know, coaching actually on the sideline. It's all about recruiting, getting players, all that. That's where they're at. That's what they're going to do. Um, and we're not there yet with some of these schools, but we're getting there. And – Again, that's where I think Texas is just gonna with Tom Herman. I mean, I think that that's where you're really gonna see. I think, and not that they've been bad at it. I mean, they've been one of the leaders. I mean, Oklahoma had to catch up. They were way behind, say three years ago. Um, Texas has kind of done a decent job keeping up with the times. Charlie Strong did a good job there, but you're already starting to see with some of the social media hits and some of the things like that. They're starting to get modern recruiting, and I'm telling you, the Big Twelve recruiting we know hasn't been great. Um, in fact. I would say it's fair to say we've been out recruited by all of the major conferences right. over the last, I don't know, five years. I don't think that's crazy to say. But, um, you know, part of that can be made up with better strategy, better planning, better, you know, approaches by some of these staffs as they've got in. And, and I know what had, what really hit it off for Oklahoma was getting a lot of these younger coaches in. Now, they did open up a couple other positions. Uh, Spurrier's son came over to the staff, you know, things like that. But these younger coaches who, I mean, People don't realize Lincoln Riley, for as successful as he is, he's a year older than me. He's not that old. I have no business running Oklahoma's offense or anybody else right now. <laughs> so it's amazing that he's doing that. I mean, the man's – I just turned 32. He's, I think he's 33 or 32, somewhere in that ballpark. So he's young. I mean, he can still relate to these kids. Uh, you know, so that's when you really start to see it with Oklahoma. This younger staff, they got really older staff. Texas, look at Texas. It's a bunch of, what, 30 to 40-year-old guys probably as far as their main consistent core coach. Well, their defensive coordinator is a little older, but the main guys. So that's where you're going to start seeing some of this. Uh, and I think that I do think personally that is where you'll start to see some of the recruiting gap getting made up in the Big 12. I'm Absolutely. not saying it's going to completely decide this thing. We may not ever overtake these other conferences anytime soon, but I do think that will help to some degree. Yeah, you have to change the time. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's the way it is. And just to those of you who aren't recruiting junkies, I apologize, but um, if you haven't figured it out by now, recruiting is the lifeblood of the sport. So – uh, if you can't recruit players, you're not going to do anything. That's pretty much what it amounts to. 
Um, today, I think it was today. Um, since and I, we're about done here. We'll wrap up here pretty quick. But um, I just want to try to hit on as many topics as quickly as we could. And I know it probably seemed kind of scattered out. Uh, it was just we wanted to get you guys all the news and notes of, of the last week or so that we thought were important. Uh, make sure everybody's on touch base with everything. Um, since we tend to, and I know we've done it several times, even off the air before the show ever existed, pick on the Baylor Bears for their schedule uh, and and who they haven't played or won't play or will play or whatever. They did an analysis breakdown of their schedule today, and I just thought I would mention that. Um, you know, other than other than Liberty, I can't really fault too much that's going on here. UT San Antonio's not bad. Duke's pretty good. I mean, Duke's been good the last few years. Uh, they had a down, a down year last year, but they've been pretty good the last few years. Um, their home games, they get Oklahoma, they get Oklahoma and Waco, they get West Virginia. If I, am I reading that right? Those are all, wow, those are all their home games. Check this out. This is Baylor's home schedule. This is going to make you feel good if you're a uh, rule in your first year. They get Oklahoma and Waco. They get West Virginia and Waco. They get Texas and Waco. They get Tech and Waco, and they get Iowa State and Waco. Yeah, so that's, that's pretty good. That's You can't really ask for a whole lot better than that. No, but it's going to suck um, next year. Yeah, I mean, next year you're going to probably <laughs> take some lumps. But yeah. now they do have to go to Oklahoma State where – am I thinking of the right team? Baylor's just been horrid in Oklahoma yes, State, haven't they? absolutely. Like, like done nothing. Just e- even, even whenever they've been probably, you know, the best the better team. team. Yeah, they, yeah, they've got beat there. Uh, other than, place. what was it, two years ago where they took a, basically a wide receiver at quarterback and were bombing y'all to death. But other right. than that, they've been basically horrible in Stillwater, if, I, if memory serves. Um, but then they go to Lawrence, and then they wrap it up there at the end of the year with the uh, you know Methodist-Baptist showdown or whatever, the many names for that rivalry with TCU, which has been really fun to watch. Um, I think a pretty manageable schedule. I mean, this was brought up today, so I thought we'd explore it a little bit. Um other than Liberty, can't really fault them. You know, in the mm-hmm. past, we we've been kind of hard on their opponents. Liberty, I mean, that's a joke. They're six and five last year, but it was six and five in you know the hat box league. Well, it's one of those things so, too. It, it takes time, though. I mean, Rule just take, took over. It's not like he can make the schedule for this year. Like, exactly. It, it, no. It's it's going to take. You know, they're, they're playing games out that are six years from now. So it's hard to whatever's on the schedule is what he's got. I mean, they can't change really any of it right now. So I mean, we'll we'll see what happens if he starts trying to. If he does like Art Riles was doing and picking those types of teams, or if he decides he wants to go out and challenge his team a little bit in the pre, you know in the uh, non conference, we'll we'll just have to see what happens. Well, they have, and I wish I had it pulled. I didn't think about it. Um, they have scheduled some games in the future. I want to say it's like Oregon or um, there's somebody pretty solid. They're they're they've gone out and scheduled. Forgive me for not having it in front of me. I think it's like twenty. Well, I guess now it's not that far out. It's really yeah, like 2017. No. I guess it's like 2019 ish probably. If I was guessing. Um, and I, and I can't remember exactly, but I want to say this Liberty game was a makeup game for somebody they lost on the schedule, too. Because um, this Liberty game, I don't remember being scheduled more than, like, two years ago. Right. Um, so I think this was one of them, like, the year, uh, there's been some years that, like, the Oklahoma, Texas, Oklahoma States have had to play a um, FCS-type team. A lot of times, mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a situation of somebody pulled out, right. ready to fill team, right. and that's what happened. And that could be what happened with Liberty. Um, when it went down, well, it wasn't really worried about a big 12 podcast so i didn't really keep up with it but. well and it's one of those things too where like uh whenever team whenever you're kind of a, a lower team yeah we'll put you on the schedule but now sudden you start getting better and like uh maybe oh, yeah, maybe, you know, maybe, yeah. maybe we don't want to play them now so then they you know they, that's where mm-hmm. baylor gets hung out to dry so they have to go get a liberty or someone like that to fill the, the position so and that's where and not to be a homer but that's where you got to respect somebody like bob stoops um he saw what he was getting to with houston last year 
you saw it coming with the year they had. He could have slid out of that game. I mean, he could have found ways out of certain situations, other games. Um, the, we've had some coaches, and I mean, Mac Brown wasn't really scared to play anybody either um, when he was at Texas forever. So, you know, you have to respect and really appreciate when you have a coach like that or an athletic director who also gets involved in that whole situation, um, especially if you've got a good relationship going. I can't really speak for that Oklahoma State at the moment. Well, but Well, and, and, and with this playoff system, Way, way it's set up now, it, it gives you a little more opportunity to go out and play like a, in Ohio State or someone like that, a Tennessee or whoever, because even if you lose that game, say week two or three of the season, you still have enough season where you can get back into the thing. And then you, uh, before you, you still make a playoff, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? But before, you know, one loss and you're like, oh crap, we're screwed. Mm-hmm. Well, now, now it's kind of a different scenario. So I'm hoping maybe going forward, you'll start seeing more and more of those teams start playing each other because it, it it, it does it does make it better for college football, and it doesn't hurt you as bad on the back end of things. Mm-hmm. I mean, just look at this. I mean, the, the Big 12, that was one other story I didn't think we were going to – I mean, we really don't have time to get to, but I'll touch on it real quickly. Um, they broke down, like, the Big 12's toughest games of uh, the season. And when you're looking at, like – you know, that's the that's the fun thing is the you, you, the Texas-USC, um, the Oklahoma-Ohio States. Those kind of those kind of matchups are part are fun to be a part of as a conference. But here's the thing. We've got to start winning them. Um, yeah, you're right. You're right. That's true. It, it might sound crazy, but I firmly believe we will walk away with one of those. I don't 100% sure which one it's going to be. USC, I think, is being a little bit overhyped what they are based on quarterback play because the quarterback's really good. I'm not taking anything away from him. Really good player. Uh, Sam Darnold's his name. Uh, but I'm not convinced they've built up the rest of that squad to be what some of these people are just assuming USC is going to do to Texas. Uh, and believe me, if you are a Texas fan and you live in a bubble, there are some people picking USC to absolutely trash you if you're not aware. Um, well, kind of, I'm not, I'm not going to quite say what Alabama did to USC last year, but in those, you know, similar circumstances. Um, and and I don't personally buy USC as that yet. I, Sam Darnold's a spectacular quarterback, and he's going to be a high draft pick one day. Probably number one. Yeah, and he's a good pick, good possibility. Um, so, but I, you know, and again, quarterback play goes a long way. You know, you win with a good quarterback. I mean, look at Texas can answer that better than anybody. But, you know, the, I firmly believe there's a shot we walk away with one of them. Um, you know, Oklahoma could catch – Ohio State lost some key players. Oklahoma could catch them. They're, the Oklahoma team that's going to come to Norman or come to to Columbus already in rosters more talented than the one. Now, again, you lost Pirine, you lost Mixon, there's some key losses. But as a whole, the roster's more talented. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Ohio State lost some players. So we'll figure that out. But, you know, those are the two big key ones. Mm-hmm. Um, if the if the Big 12 is ever going to change some opinions, we've got to start winning these things. And well, I don't really give a shit about the bowl games. People are like, oh, we got to win the bowl games. we got to win the not. I mean, people – because here's what's going to happen. You win a bowl game, the other fan base says, oh, who cares if it's a bowl game? Unless it's, you know, like for all the marbles. Who cares if it was a bowl game? Nobody cares if we lose the Sugar Bowl. But it means something to you as a program, as a springboard, if you win it. But Kirk Herbstreet's of the world – those people will tell you, do not take what you read. I mean, Alabama, Oklahoma, perfect example. Do not take what you get from a bowl game to assume that's what either one of these teams are going to be the following year. Right. So we need to, I think, when they really, things are on the line, non-conference matchups, I think that's where we really need to be doing more damage than the bowl games by themselves. Some people may have varying opinions of that, but that's just where I stand on it. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that. I mean, you, you 
the bowl games are a completely different animal. I mean, there's so many there's there's so, so many, many variables. variables. That yeah, you don't count, the, that you don't it's, get into it's real a totally different thing. Now, is it great to go out and win those and show that and show that your teams are, oh, are yeah. playing good? Yeah. Absolutely. But to, do I do I think that that is like the end all be all of how good your conference is? Not even close. Yeah, exactly. Basically, what I'm getting at is we could do really well in the bowl season next year, but if we lose those two, I don't really think opinion is going to change at all. No. Um, no, it won't. So, but you know. I, I, I know that's not really anything profound, but at the same time, it, it has to be said, and it has to be a focal point on we've got to start winning these big matchups. Got to. Absolutely. And I think if we come away with one of the two, it, we would be okay in those two. Because those are two really big ones. Well, and, and that's your two That's your two flagship programs. Flagship programs. Exactly. I mean, yeah. so, I mean, if, both, if, if they were to both lose that game, those two games, you're automatically, from a national point of view, you automatically like, oh well, that's that's their two big dogs, and they just got beat. So that's to be the first thing said nationally. Well, I mean, I'll give you a perfect example. Oklahoma or Texas, Oklahoma gets housed by Houston, or not housed, but they get beat by Houston. Gets housed by Ohio State. Texas beats Notre Dame. Ranked matchup Sunday. It's a Sunday only game on that day. It's Liberty Weekend when they do that full weekend every year. How for the next three weeks, people were ecstatic. They were selling that win. Texas is back. Yada yada yada. Um, you know, it made the Big 12 as a whole look a little tougher because they've got a team like Texas. Then by the time we got to the end of the year and we realized Notre Dame really wasn't – I mean, again, I think the Notre Dame team they played at the beginning of the year was better than the one at the end of the year. But as a whole, the team probably wasn't what we thought them to be. Right. It took all the wins out of the wind out of the sails. I mean, everybody at that point was like, so what? Texas beat Notre Dame. Right. And so, I mean, I, I think there's a lot, there's a lot of um, conjecture and things that can be based on how these outcomes happen in these games. Fair or not. I mean, I mean, it's really not fair in a way when you see how much better these teams get from September to November to base a whole lot on a game that took place September second. But that's just how it works. Right. It, well, it is, and especially when it's your two flagship teams. You know that that's that's the thing. Mm-hmm. If if they if they were to both pull out wins, it it, it would just like just springboard mm-hmm. the conference. And the same same thing if they if they both were to say go out and get drummed. All of a sudden, all the talk nationally is going to be. It's going to be like last year all over again. So negative. It's going to be. Yeah, and, and and neither one of those is probably the right thing to do. But that's just the way. That's the nature of the beast. Especially when you're talking about a, a, a game like college football that's so large, and you can't have everybody play everybody. You've got to base it off, you know. Well, this team beat, and really, it's the transitive property to some degree. But, and you're not really supposed to do that. But this team beat this team, which beat this team, which makes them right. this good, which is you know, and and that's that's really all you got. And and really, opinion means a lot. I mean, it really does. Uh, the national opinions from these these famous people that you know judge college football and everything it means a lot. It goes a long way. Well, yeah, I mean, it's kind of like saying Oklahoma State beat Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh beat Clemson, so Oklahoma State's better than Clemson. Yeah, that's obviously, obviously, obviously yeah, they're not. But, but I mean, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's so, but but you're right. With that many teams, you can't. You got to figure out some way to try to quantify it. But that's that's hard to do. Yeah. And so you're right. These two games, I mean. And I hate to put all the pressure on those two teams, but it's kind of the way it is when you're the flagship programs. They, they need to perform well. Even if Texas were to go out there to USC and play a good ball game and, and lose by a touchdown, and, but play a solid ball game, they'll be okay. If they go out there and get drummed by 40 points, ooh, th- things are going to change real quick. And all the, the, the Tom Herman hype will just mm-hmm. all of a sudden start crashing down too real well, quick. And I had a question posted to me on Twitter the other day by uh, one of our more – Let's say vocal followers. Uh, he's an Oklahoma fan who asked, and I, I think he was just doing it to be an ass. But it was a good question. You know, if if Texas was to go and go out and just lose to Maryland, first game of the year, I don't see it happening. Maryland's going to be better than they have been, but I don't see it happening. Let's say it happens. What does that do to this recruiting class that they've just built up? Because you're then fighting 
how much is Tom Herman's um, collateral worth versus, oh, God, here we go again. Right. We're, we're going to be doing this all over again. We had all this hype, all this stuff, everything else was clicking into place. Is Tom Herman's collateral, or whatever you want to call it, enough to take a ding like that? If it's USC, now here's the thing. If they get trounced, it's going to hurt them. Right. If they can lose well, the USC close, maybe not. It's such a big deal. Well, they can work at the opposite like they did last year, too. Say say they go out beat Maryland pretty handily, and they go to USC and win that ball game. It's going to be the same thing as like last year when they beat Notre Dame. Oh, all of a sudden, it gets pumped up even higher than what it probably should be. You mm-hmm. know, so I mean, it's it's like a, it's, it's really tricky. You, you can't really. That's why I've always said there shouldn't be a damn uh, poll put out until like October first, like no, nothing, because you you don't actually know where any of these teams actually are mm-hmm. until they play a few games, and then you can start judging talent a little bit. And, and I'll even go a step further. I love the preseason polls. As somebody, I don't know how many of you guys can relate to this. Um, I know from talking to a lot of the people that follow us on. There's a lot of people roughly in our age bracket, and our age bracket's what, between me and you, 32 to 36 Yeah. So we have several followers roughly in that age. I can remember vividly in, you know, 12, 13 years old, this time of year, going into the drugstores and into Walmart and looking for the magazines to come out and the preseason polls. Right. And that's just, that's a pat. I still do that to this day. Colin, Brady, they've gone completely digital. They want their magazines and their phone. I don't want that. I want a magazine I can put in my hand, look at, read through. You saw the one I got last year. I marked table, you know, everything for the show because we had nothing to really start with at that point for uh, material other than some books that I collected. And, you know, I I, I think I don't want to lose that and get rid of the polls entirely. I think there's a right. lot that can be said for preseason polls and what that does and just the excitement of the game and, you know, oh, your team's one and we're five, we're beat you, we're, you know, that whole thing. But what I would like to see them do is have the poll and then on your October 1st or whatever, completely throw it out the window, start from scratch like they would maybe the playoff or whatever. And, you know, these are your new top 25 right. teams in this order. Well, you are right. I mean, because it's fun for the fans to call and talk to radio shows about it. It's fun to fans to argue about it. And, oh, we're, 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 people are looking past us, you know, because we're number 20 or whatever. We're really better than that. Or, you know, hey, look at that. We're, we're number one. You're right. It's great conversation. But, I mean, when it comes down to the actual how much does it actually matter, to me it's zero. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but, I mean, but at the same time, if you could get that high ranking and you can ride that, you're, you're going you're going to the playoff. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's it's kind of one of those things where it, it can work for you or against you. But but you're right. The initial – the the uh, the very first um, poll is basically for people like you know just to talk about and, mm-hmm. and, and discuss. It gives us a starting extra. point, right? Too. And and it may not necessarily be obviously it's not ever the accurate most right starting point. But there's a lot of times people get this stuff right too. I mean, you know, oh, our, it is, the yeah. first ever Final Fours we did were all atrocious. I think we each oh, had like one Lord. team that made the playoff last yeah, year. Yeah, thank you, Iowa. Hope you. <laughs> Iowa State's gonna kick Iowa. your ass this year. It's on. <laughs> I forgot about your Iowa pick. Yeah, that was pretty ugly by like week four. Yeah, they're they're um, embarrassment. But concert. I mean, I think half of us at LSU, and they lost Wisconsin right out the gate. Yeah. You know, um, so you know, and, and again, that all gets into a whole other conversation of that's why you challenge yourself and your schedule. You work your way back in. You look at Oklahoma, like in fifteen, they lose to Texas, a Texas team they had no business losing to, and then boom, they find their way through the next five six weeks, run rough shot out of the entire league, and they're in the playoff. You know, there's yeah. things like that where you can do that if you're the right program. You you've got that little bit. I hate to admit it, but you've got a little bit of that history behind you. And that sex appeal that a power blue blood has, Absolutely. and then you add into the fact they beat some some ranked teams along the way, and, it, and then they won their league, and you know everything was fine. 
So it's it's going to be easier for them to do that than say Iowa State, obviously, which I know is a terrible example. But but yeah, you're right. I yeah, mean, it's, it's but it's like that with everything. And, and, and the, the only thing I disagree with the poll that I always have a problem with, you can pretty much tell which teams are going to be in there before it even starts, regardless of what they are. Like mm-hmm. Tennessee's going to be in there. Uh, yeah, I mean, all oh, your yeah. blue bloods are going to yeah. be listed in there, regardless well, of how atrocious they 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 look the year before. Or you know how you really feel about them? They're they're going to be in there. And and so that's my only negative thing about it. A great example of that too is, and again, Texas fans don't take this the wrong way. I'm just trying to be transparent. I can remember us having conversations in 2012, 2011, where we're here, we're in the area. We can tell Texas is awful. They're not what they've have been. They're not getting the players. They're definitely not getting the quarterback players. You know, et cetera, et cetera. Mac Brown's on his last run, and the freaking ESPNs of the world are. Top fifteen team in the country, you know, right at the beginning, we're like, "What are you doing?" But it's Texas. It's that's right. it's going to be done that way sometimes, um, and and obviously you couldn't. Obviously, people thought you were going to be like a three and nine team that wouldn't apply. You know, a lot of people thought Texas would be a little more competitive, but a lot of us here in the area in the know could tell this team was not what these people were trying to make them out to be, and we were basically laughing at the fact that they were even ranked, right? Or even barely, you know, if they'd been like 24, 25, I might have been okay with that, but. To put them at some of the rankings they had in those years was just absurd. Um, so, you know, th- that's where I, I think the preseason polls are fun. They play a poll, you know, again, a little nostalgic thing for people like me. And, again, it's good starting off point, tipping off point with some of these matchups. Because, I mean, again, Oklahoma-Ohio State, for example, just I, I let's say they're ranked well, – Oklahoma probably ranked roughly sixth going into the year. Ohio State's probably going to be ranked a little bit higher, probably four or three, somewhere in that ballpark roughly. You take a situation like that, Oklahoma, Ohio State, that's all the bells and whistles, that's tons of college football, that's Heisman trophies, that's national titles, the whole thing. Historic places to play, the whole nine yards. But how much better is that game when it's two versus six? Right. Than 35 versus 47. You, you know, you're right. Well, and here's another thing. If, if Texas wins against Maryland, they're going to be the top 25 the next week because they're, they're going to want a top 25 matchup. Mm-hmm. I mean, I hate to say this, but this is the way it works. They're going to want that to be in top 25, mm-hmm. so they say they have a top 25 game in USC and Texas. Now, to me, the game's going to be a good game either way. I'm, I'm really excited to watch the game regardless because it's two of the you know the blue buds from, you know especially one in the Big 12. So I, I want to watch it regardless. But you better believe that if they're not already in the top 25 when it first comes out, they're going to pop right in there if they beat Maryland. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen. Yeah. So, and yeah, oh, yeah, definitely. I totally agree with that. Um, they're going to be riding so much momentum going into the season, people will not be able to deny a Texas team that starts winning games early. I mean, there'll just be no way to keep them out. At that point, regardless if you think, even if you think USC was a total farce and Texas housed them and, you know, the whole thing, it would not matter. Those wins would be enough. They would get up there. They'd start climbing the poles. You know, I always like to tell people about Oklahoma. I am um, – uh, be the first to admit, Oklahoma got some. That's why I wasn't totally against losing the BCS. The BCS was good to Oklahoma fans. Uh, never had an issue with. There was years we were put in places we probably shouldn't have been in. Um, and you see the ability from a team like Oklahoma to rise the polls faster than just about anybody else. People start liking Oklahoma. There's a very few teams like that where, and Texas can be one of them where right. you're not stopping them. Once they start winning games, they're shooting up the polls. There's nothing you can do about it. Yeah, because I mean they got that tradition and history and stuff yeah. behind them. It's People just, just expect. Right. If they're doing that, they're going to be good. right. Yeah, so. they're, they're a good ball team regardless of what. Mm-hmm. Anybody, yeah, you're right, and that and that's 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 what's so hard, you know, for all the other schools because like you got to compete with that 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 thing that really doesn't even really exist. You you got to try to compete with it. It's, exactly. It, it's yeah. tough. It's tough. Mm-hmm. So and I know, I know that's just a little open discussion. People here don't care, but 
uh, that's just to me. That's where I think the pulse server purpose, and that it still could be used. I just think they could do the process a little differently. Yeah, I agree. Um, so that kind of wraps things up tonight. Uh, obviously, we couldn't cover everything. We've been off for I, I don't know what about ten days, or like mm-hmm. it's been a little over a week because our yeah. Sunday was that last show we recorded. It's a little over a week. Um, again, we apologize for that, you guys. Thank you so much for thinking, staying with us. Um, you guys honestly don't know how much happier you guys have made us by just asking about when our shows are coming out. I mean, that's that's been like Christmas morning for us opening those messages. Uh, nobody's cared to this point um, when we're going to have a show out, uh, other than maybe unless it pertains strictly around their fan base or something. But, um, you know, so that's been a lot to us. Uh, really appreciate it. We're trying to get our footing. We're getting there. Uh, some changes are being made. We, we're figuring it out. We're built the writer staff. It's almost complete. Um, yeah, I think I think we're about to where we need to be on most stuff. Uh, just a few final pieces pieces, uh, pieces need to be plugged into place. Uh, it may be my fault for not ever envisioning this thing ever getting, and it's not even that big yet, but as big as it was, it has become, I never in a million years thought, you know, some of the listening numbers we've had, whatever, which they're not anything, you know, earth-shattering, but I would have been fine if 20 people listened to us. Well, it's, it's one of things. Want to do it. It's just getting legs faster than we were able to keep up with. Exactly. And we're, and we're exactly. playing. And what we had to do is basically like everything else. You, you play catch up, and we're starting to put things in position to be better at it and to be you know you know more uh, active in, in different types of media and things. With yeah. Them. So yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where it it took off, and we were playing catch up, and we feel like we're on the right path. I, I will say this: once football season. We start doing like the actual fall team previews. From that point on, it's gonna roll. Oh, it's yeah. gonna be a machine. Be. Then it's just we're we're still in the building, getting everything set up process. So whenever it takes off, we're not we're not missing a beat. That's Which, that's the thing. And if you're new to us, this type of show is not something we do often. Um, it is on dead weeks, or you know, or they're normally planned. Like tomorrow night's show, it's already written to my computer. I know it. You guys will have copies of it. It was way more. This was a hey, we found out we can record. We yeah. wanted to get you guys a show out because so many people had asked about it. It's so, off the cuff for fun. Yeah, hey, so, it's not. Yeah. So forgive some of the the uh, hesitations if you're new to the program. Stay with us. I promise. Uh, at least from what we're told, we do a lot better job than we probably did tonight. But uh, and again, some people not being here would have made some of those situations easier because obviously we split. Uh, at the beginning, it was four of us, and we split ten teams across the board. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not going to get into how we did that again, but. Uh, you know, that so it's and now we got writers that are gonna cover the teams, and it's gonna be and again, like you said, it just grew too fast. We didn't see it coming, uh, especially when you go from where we were in like say January 1st to like February 1st, we exploded from mm-hmm. where we had been. So, you know, and uh, again, that's not you, it's, that's not y'all's fault. You maybe you should have to deal with it, but that's just the way it was. And, and you know, one thing is like we're we're four guys trying to do all this, we don't we don't have any staff, we don't have sponsors or anything everything everything that we do is is us doing it Mm -hmm. and so it it became just like so big and vast you know with with trying to to get together website do the twitter do all the the show writing finding guests and all these things all this stuff happened so fast and exploded that it was kind of overwhelming we we ran we were running ourselves really thin yeah so we we had to figure out ways to to change that which is why the the vacation happened for about a month uh i feel like everybody was getting burned out and, you know, and again, we're not telling you this for you to pity us. It's not. I'm just trying to yeah. convey to you and the new fans why we've had some of the struggles we've had recently. Because I know if I was looking at it from the other end of the spectrum, it would look like all oh, these guys keep having these stumbles or whatever. And I promise you, it's just us <laughs> basically learning this game and how to do it. 
um, but still be fans. I don't ever want to leave the side of this show was built around the idea of the Big 12 does not get enough coverage from the modern version of the Big 12, and we are fans. I feel like somewhat educated versus so a lot of un, a lot of or some uneducated ones out there. Um, enough that we could at least do a decent job with it. It just that I don't think we ever envisioned the monster that it would grow to be. And we damn sure didn't see it coming when it hit. Not so, this fast. No. no. So, so yeah. you know, and again, I'm totally 100% honest transparency. I don't want the pity. That's not what this is about. It's just information, letting you guys understand what's going on with us. Um, starting tomorrow, I barring some other freak act of nature that I don't know <laughs> about coming along the way, our show tomorrow night will be back with um, Kansas State. Tyler Dryling, Dryling, can't remember how I say his name now. He told me that night when we did that show. It's either Dreeling or Dryling. Sorry, Tyler, if you hear this. Um, from uh, Powercat Game Day, he does some radio shows in Kansas. Pretty, I don't know, seems like a pretty well-connected yeah. dude. If, if, yeah, if you want to know some information about Kansas State, listen yeah. to that show because he's, he's, he knows his stuff. And if you just enjoy intelligent commentating on football, I even if you're not a Kansas State fan, I highly suggest you listen to Tyler. Um, easily one of the two or three best interviews, favorite interviews we've ever had. Smart guy. Um, Very smart guy. I, I don't know, not against any of the other people we have. Uh, there's probably people that are pretty similar, but I don't know anybody that knows more than this guy does on any, as far as any of the other shows we have about their team. Um, but there's definitely some guys equal, like Kevin, huge into the Baylor program, knows all that yes. well. And Jeff. Jeff was great with TCU. Jeff was great with TCU, yes. Um, we're still finding our footing with some some others. Uh, some we've had we decided not to bring back. Some we're working on finding new ones. So, again, and this is all in the fact that we love doing this and we want to get you guys the best product as possible. So that's what all this is about. So, again, we appreciate you hanging in there with us. It should – I would don't expect any more real hiccups. I think everything should be fine now, um, and uh, we should be good to go. Again, real quickly, your schedule. If you missed the tweet this morning, tomorrow is Kansas State, which would be Wednesdays for whenever you people hear this. It will be Wednesday night. We will record it. Um, then Friday night will be Iowa State. Um, I just got confirmation from Trevor a few hours ago on the Oklahoma show. It will be the following Wednesday. Okay. Um, Sunday is open. There's a couple people I'm talking to who are trying to see if we can't get it done. And and if you if you had your team hasn't had a preview yet or a uh, spring, send us some questions that you want us to ask. We'd be more happy to ask ask questions yeah. for you guys. I didn't understand really what I was asking for, considering we didn't have enough listeners. But we've been asking for mailbag questions since I don't know probably December. Um, just not knowing we didn't quite have the interactivity and basically just the base to really ask for that. Now I feel like we have enough people following us that we could probably get some questions in. So I would love to start a mailbag segment and I am an open book. I've explained that to people to you on Twitter. I don't, I mean, obviously we'd prefer it to be somewhat sports college football related, but it could be what our favorite foods to eat or favorite places to go. I don't care. I would, you know, get a mailbag. If you guys do that, you know where to find us by now, surely. Um, if you're listening to this show, there should be no reason you can't get a hold of us. We're pretty easy to find. Um, you know, and I'm not even going to try to go through all the times I screwed up all our names. I'm not going to say all the, the Big 12 handles and everything because I'll mess it all up. But you should know where to find us by now. So, anyway, we will see you guys tomorrow. Uh, real quick update, Oklahoma beat Florida. National champions, 5-4 to four, <laughs> final. Oh. Uh, Congratulations. So that's done quickly. A lot quicker than last night. Uh, and uh, we will see you guys. Things looking up for the Big 12. Sounds like it's getting a little better. I guess if nobody has anything else to add, I guess we'll everybody say bye until next time. Thanks, guys. See ya.